So this is Randy Hosman with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Christopher Russo. He's the Director of Pediatrics at WellSpan Health. Christopher, would you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Thanks, Randy. Pleasure to be here today. My name is Dr. Christopher Russo, and I am a board-certified pediatrician and a pediatric hospitalist. I am currently the Director of Pediatrics for WellSpan Health which is a large integrated healthcare system that serves the communities of central Pennsylvania and Northern Maryland. Now in this role, I oversee the delivery of pediatric care across multiple sites, facilities and settings. And these include inpatient, things like the wards or nurseries and NICUs, and also our outpatient offices, our specialty pediatric offices, emergency and urgent care. And clinically, I work as a pediatric hospitalist. Now I was born and raised in lovely Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm the son of two public school teachers, and they instilled in me a real love of learning. I attended Harvard College and then Tufts University School of Medicine, where I received my medical degree, and then I did my pediatric residency training at St. Christopher's Hospital for Children in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I've also received my master's in business administration degree from the Eisenberg School of Management at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And outside of my roles, I am active with the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Society for Hospital Medicine. And I've been fortunate to present probably over 30 workshops and presentations over the nationally over the past, uh, past five years or so. Wow, very impressive, thank you. What are your top priorities today? Well, I, I think that these are, these are hard for any healthcare system. Now, we have tremendous leadership at WellSpan, uh, led by our president and CEO, Dr. Roxana Gapster. And we have a strong organizational commitment to children, and particularly young children. And, and we know, Randy, that an investment in the early development of children is key to breaking cycles of disadvantage and eliminating health and achievement inequities later in life. As far as priorities, I think we need to ensure that our children, especially our most vulnerable children, can reach their full physical, emotional, and intellectual potentials. And healthcare systems, I feel, have a key role in their communities to help children develop in safe, stable, nurturing environments. And that means a lot of community hospital and community healthcare system partnerships. Now, specifically, I think in pediatrics, we want to make sure that preventative care, such as immunizations and well-child checks, are delivered on time. And importantly, that we give appropriate anticipatory guidance to parents and caregivers. I think about it being really the right care at the right time is, is a key priority for me to make sure if a child needs hospitalization, we get them there. If a child does not need hospitalization, we keep them out of our emergency departments and we really give them the right care. If the child needs escalation to a higher level of care, we send them to the right place in our system. And if they could be managed more locally, we're able to do that. I think that's some of the some of the most pressing priorities that I have. Definitely. I think it's great too that we're focusing on that generation that's going to come up and one day like make the decision. Very mm -hmm. important to prioritize yes. them. Yes. How do you anticipate your role and teams will evolve over the next 18 months? I think as a, as a pediatric hospitalist, Randy, I, I have a unique vantage point. Uh, I'm really at the center of our systems of care. So I 
as a hospitalist, I admit patients from our outpatient pediatric offices. I interact with our emergency department. I interact with pediatric intensive care units, neonatal intensive care units, nurseries, specialty care, children's hospitals, whatever it might be. So I feel like it gives me a very unique position to be able to see how systems operate. And I think that really the key in the future for healthcare systems is going to be flexibility. We have to meet consumers where they want to be met. And that means maybe non-traditional hours. It means maybe video visits as opposed to inpatient visits. It means providing remote home monitoring, perhaps before hospitalization or after hospitalization. And I think as, as I look to the future, I think we have seen such incredible competition outside of the hospital with many big players vying for, for patients. And I, and I feel really like I may be zagging when everyone else is zigging, but, but I feel like systems will need to devote resources into building their infrastructure. Amazon, for example, they're not gonna build a hospital, at least I don't think they will, but they're gonna do everything they can to support the patient outside the hospital, um, whether it's delivering medicines or some limited uh, steps of care but they're not gonna be able to deliver the next day a home cardiac catheterization kit. They're not gonna be able to offer uh, home dialysis um, if a person needed uh, inpatient dialysis treatment. Um, they're not gonna be able to do those types of things. So how can we think about strengthening our hospitals to have them be as robust as possible that they can really own that space? I think that's where, as I think about how the next 18 months are going to evolve, I, I wanna make sure we're in the right space for that. Secondly, as it relates to pediatrics, we are seeing a pediatric mental health crisis. Absolutely, across our, our system, uh, across our region and nationally. And we know that the COVID-19 pandemic really exacerbated what was already a growing problem. And I think we need to think about how as systems, we can address those needs through the early identification of unhealthy environments. So when I talked about the stable nurturing environments, those are things like that. So identify children who may be at risk, who may be uh, historically and marginally disadvantaged or in, in populations which are historically and marginally disadvantaged. Uh, those are the things that I think we really need to focus on. Uh, at WellSpin, we focus a lot on social determinants of health. And, and I think that that's gonna be very important to making sure that our children, whether it's addressing rising obesity or like I mentioned, rising mental health problems, that we can really get at the root problems and, and come up with some really novel uh, solutions to those problems. Definitely, yeah. And I think another issue that a lot of healthcare um, executives don't think about because it doesn't necessarily impact them is that when you work in pediatrics, it's not just the patient you're caring for, the patient's family because at the end of the day like these little kids aren't going to the doctor's office on their own or anything there's a whole like maybe their parents are taking them maybe their guardian just something like that where it's like you have to care a little bit more than just the patient it's all around the patient too yeah well i'll tell you a story randy so when you're in medical school you go through all your different rotations um again like i mentioned my parents are teachers and so i didn't have any real exposure to the medical field and my uncle uh was a was a doctor and he was uh, very helpful for me I really knew nothing, nothing about the hospital medicine. It was all very brand new and exciting for me. And so medical school, you go through all the obstetrics, gynecology, surgery, internal medicine, pediatrics, psychiatry. Pediatrics, Randy, was 
by far the most difficult of all the rotations <laughs> I ever did. Uh, you know, you, I, and, I, and I like to tell when I teach that you don't know what you're walking into, a two-day-old, a two-year-old, a 12-year-old, uh, a 12-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl, they're not the same. Uh, all 12-year-old boys are not the same. Uh, the two-year-old's not going to, uh, the two-month-old or the, the two-day-old, they're not going to tell you what's wrong with them. And the 16-year-old sometimes doesn't want to tell me what's wrong with them. And then when you figure out what's going on, which is oftentimes very tricky because the child can't tell you and you're looking for subtle signs, then it's trying to convince the parent and the caregiver that, um, and so there's a whole other layer. And it's like, gosh, I said this, I'm really happy with pediatrics because this is something that I know I'm challenged each and every day. Um, the, the other thing I'd, I like to think about too, and I laugh when I think about this is parents and caregivers who would never take themselves to the hospital, never take themselves to the doctor for any reason, will take their children to the doctors for any any reason at all. They have a much, much lower threshold because they are pride and joy. And we really, we really worry about them as parents. And I'm a parent too, so I, I know exactly what that's like. I think a real key part of my job, and I think the role of the healthcare system when we encounter parents and caregivers is to give them the confidence to care for that child, to let them know it's okay. You've got this. I, I, I say a lot of times that mom, you, you've got this. You, you're doing a fantastic job. I think your child doesn't need to be admitted to the hospital because you've just done a fantastic job. And I think that should be a real key to our job, giving parents the confidence and caregivers the confidence to take care of their children. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think that also goes back to your idea about flexibility in general, just yes. being ready for anything that comes in the door. Yes. Yes. Perfect. So what are you most excited about right now and what makes you nervous? <laughs> well, you know, I don't get nervous. I have to say, uh, you know, my friends and colleagues know um, that uh, they, they know that I don't get nervous. And I say, if you see me nervous, then you need to, uh, you need to pull me aside because that doesn't really happen. But I will say there are some things that do concern me. So, uh, you know, I'm very excited as to what I feel is the leadership that pediatrics is going to have for healthcare systems and the healthcare landscape nationally. What I mean by that is, I feel like in pediatrics, we've always been the leader in value-based care, something which many people talk about, uh, whether it's immunizations or preventative care, that we work hard to prevent illnesses before it happens. And when it does, to limit the long-term consequences of that. You know, I think about how from a value-based perspective, in pediatric hospital medicine, I, I joke with the residents and the students after they rotate with me, I say, boy, you're gonna come away from this rotation. You're gonna say, gosh, that Dr. Russo is the laziest doctor I've ever met. Because when he sees children in the hospital, in, in the emergency department, he doesn't like to admit anyone. He tries to send them home if he can, which is true. I would rather spend two hours in the emergency room trying to help a mother feel comfortable and confident enough to take their child home than admit that child to the hospital. When he admits them to the hospital, he likes to send them home as soon as possible, which is true. I always like to feel like children belong at home and it's my job to get them there. And he doesn't like to do any labs or testing or x-rays or things like that. And that is absolutely true. In pediatric hospital medicine, we've had tremendous leadership nationally uh, with just wonderful folks who really have impressed that think about why you're doing what you're doing. So I'm really excited to see the role that pediatrics will continue to play in providing 
value-based care and showing the systems uh, in other disciplines, adult medicine and others, how really that can be achieved. Now, I think that what concerns me, I'll say, you know, certainly we have a declining birth rate. And I did mention that the increased need for behavioral health and rising obesity, I, it, it concerns me a little bit that we're maybe not using digital tools to our full advantage. And, you know, WellSpend, we're heavily invested in that and working to see how we can meet consumers where they are and, and really trying to say, the needs of the consumer are paramount. When they want care, they want care. And we need to facilitate that. Gone are the days when you might be able to say, oh, come back to me tomorrow when the office is open. How can we think about a way to bridge that gap? I am concerned about our staffing crisis. I'm concerned about the wellness among our providers and staff. Certainly the pandemic has taken a great toll on our staff and providers and have caused many to leave the profession of medicine and many to maybe feel not as invested in the profession as they once did. I think we really need to focus on the health of our staff and our providers because if we don't have the staff and providers, we're not gonna be able to provide the excellent care that we wanna be able to do. And I know certainly at WellSpin, we take that very seriously through strong efforts in the well-being space to make sure we and identify those who may be at risk for burnout and provide resources as, as appropriate. The other last thing I'll, I'll say that does concern me is, you know, about 70% of our care, Randy, for children is delivered in community hospital settings. I don't know if people are aware of that. And every day, it seems, when you look at Becker's, you, you see, oh, this community hospital is closing their pediatric unit. And this other one is, I think in, I was looking in August, I think there were five inpatient pediatric units in the community around the country that had, had uh, closed. And that's really putting a lot of pressure, I think, on families. If families have to drive considerable distances, they may not decide to do that. And then we worry about children's care deteriorating because they can't get to the right setting. And so I think in the future, we'll need to think about again, how to get the right care at the right time. How do we build up systems of care to get the children to the children's hospital when needed, but also have children's hospitals maybe figure out which children could be transferred back to the communities to keep these community hospital sites up and going and be able to be robust from a financial standpoint. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Cool. Was there anything that I didn't ask about that you want to talk about? Well, you know, we talked about a lot, so I appreciate that and the opportunity to talk about that. You know, I think certainly issues of structural racism and discrimination are very important and, and we take it very seriously at WellSpan and just thinking about children are growing up in a much different environment than they did five, 10 years ago. There's much more awareness of some of these issues and thankfully there's a lot of great work through the American Academy of Pediatrics and Society for Hospital Medicine and other organizations to try to address issues of systemic racism and other issues. Uh, I think we need to really pay very close attention to how that affects children and how we can prevent intergenerational poverty. Uh, when you talk about social determinants of health and thinking, it, it really should not be that your uh, demographics determine your destiny. It really shouldn't be your zip code determines the care that you're gonna receive. We have to pay really close attention to that and really be advocates 
for children. And I'm, I'm appreciative that in my roles of pediatric hospitals, I get to see all aspects of the healthcare system and be able to feel like I can really be an advocate, advocate for patients. Definitely. Well, Chris, it was a pleasure speaking with you today, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Great. Thank you, Randy. Anytime.